Let me run you quickly through some news stories. A huge bulk carrier called MV Matthew, a 189-metre ship sailing under the Panamanian flag, was boarded by the Irish Army Ranger Wing, the ARW. On board, the crew were in a state of panic. So much so that some became physical with the ARW, which, unsurprisingly, wasn't the best idea. They were all quickly subdued. A search of the ship revealed cocaine hidden inside a lifeboat. They tried to set the lifeboat on fire. 2.2 tons of cocaine were seized. A fishing vessel that had set off from Brazil was intercepted off the coast of West Africa by a French surveillance frigate called Ventouse. Again, this international collaboration between law enforcement netted 2.4 tons of cocaine. Next, it was the turn of the Brazilian Federal Police and the Brazilian Navy. They stopped a fishing vessel called Palmeiras 1 off the coast of Recife, Brazil. It was reportedly heading to West Africa and it was carrying 3.6 tons of cocaine. This was the largest offshore capture of cocaine by Brazil. And finally, Spanish law enforcement stopped a fishing vessel called the Mathieu about 600 nautical miles from Cape Verde. 40 bales of cocaine were seized, weighing around a ton. All of these huge seizures happened somewhere in and around the Atlantic Ocean in September of this year. Welcome to Deep Dive Monitoring from the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organised Crime. I'm Jack Megan Vickers. And this is a month of drug seizures. My name is Jason Eli. I'm a senior expert with the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organised Crime and I'm also thematic lead of our global drug program. Listeners to Deep Dive will have heard from Jason before, most recently on the episode which looked at the drug markets of East and Southern Africa. It's further down in this feed, so go and check that out. Jason has studied drug markets and flows all over the world, and given the volume and frequencies of these seizures, I wanted to ask him about the significance of these and how they relate to the international cocaine trade crossing the Atlantic. The vast majority of cocaine that's produced in South America makes its way inevitably across the Atlantic, either directly to Europe and European markets or indirectly through Africa and into Europe. There's a growing flow moving through Africa and further afield to destinations like East Asia and Australia, New Zealand in particular. One question that always leaps out is who are the significant players in this industry? Now, according to the Irish Guardi, there is a belief that the 2.2 tonnes seized from the MV Matthew off the coast of Ireland was supplied by Clandel Golfo, the Colombian organised crime paramilitary hybrid. Again, a previous deep dive episode looked into them. And sources speaking to the Irish Times claimed that international intelligence pointed to the Kinahan cartel having a financial stake in the shipment. Anybody who's involved in drugs is moving cocaine. So gone are the days where we could pin the label on one or two Colombian or Peruvian outfits. Today, anybody who is running drugs anywhere in the world will want to have a hand in the cocaine market and will work either directly with other groups or as part of a vast network to acquire drugs and move them to wherever the markets are that they wish to ship them. So what do seizures like these actually tell us about the cocaine trade? The interesting thing about seizures is that there's no direct correlation between seizures and something like volume of production or volume of flow. 
seizures are better looked at as an indicator of the presence and effectiveness of law enforcement in a way. But we can use seizure data to tell us what is moving in certain places and through add-on intelligence, maybe even things like who's moving it, where is it coming, and where do we think it's going. But not an awful lot beyond that. One thing that is certainly highlighted through these seizures is the method of transportation, shipping. Whether a fishing vessel like the one off the edge of West Africa or a giant bulk carrier making its way very slowly up the Irish Sea. Well, shipping is probably the diamond dog of the entire cocaine trade because it's by far the easiest way and in many ways the most efficient way to move cocaine from point of origin to destination. I mean, if you think about it, ships come in all sizes and there are just so many of them around the world. And the volume of licit trade that moves through the shipping industry is wonderful cover for the volume of illicit trade. And this goes beyond just cocaine, but it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful environment within which groups can exploit the, the systems, the places, and the technology to move their drugs. How does it move? Oh, in many, many ways. You can have containers that are contaminated with drugs, meaning they put the drugs in after the container has been sealed and put on a ship. You have organizations that create front companies and send entire containers themselves, knowingly that it's completely filled with uh, cocaine or, or some other substance. You can have smaller vessels, often where the crew and or the captain is part of the network where the drugs are put into the hold and moved along. A common technique with smaller vessels is to meet in international waters and transfer the drugs to a, an even smaller ship. Think a fishing vessel, tugboat, things like that, which then moves it ashore and beyond. And then there's the traditional, I'm going to fill my yacht with cocaine and sail it off to wherever. So it's probably the volume of traffic that moves transatlantically and globally for that matter in the maritime industry is the foundation for the movement of cocaine around the world. Now this is really interesting. So let's just look at the MV Matthew off the Irish coast. There is a little more to this story because there was another boat, a much smaller one. In fact, the size is important because it was small enough and the right type of boat that it wasn't required to carry an automatic identification system an AIS on board, which means it can't be tracked. It was called the Castlemore, and it was a boat that the owner had been trying to sell for years, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, in mid-September, a buyer emerged. The sale went through quickly, and the same day the new owners went to sea. But what was striking, at least according to the locals, was that the two gentlemen who bought the boat seemed to not have a clue how to operate it. Someone said they were, and I quote, tripping over ropes. Needless to say, the Castlemore never made it. It ran aground and the two men had to be rescued. The boat is in fact still wedged on a sandbank off the Wexford coast of Ireland. And at the same time that this was happening, the MV Matthews started its unusually slow progress up the Irish Sea. The Gardaí suspected that the Castlemore was on its way to meet with the MV Matthews and no one would ever know because it had switched off its AIS. The two men from the Castlemore have been charged with conspiracy to import drugs, and the captain of the MV Matthew has also been charged with the importation of cocaine. 
Most of this cocaine would likely have ended up in Europe, so you'd imagine that these seizures have caused a huge dent in that market. But it's not as simple as that. Well, we tell ourselves that it does, and we like to think that it does, particularly if you have a seizure of, of several tons. But I think in, in the grand scheme of things, the answer to that is no. If you look at some initial studies that have been done on the volume of consumption of cocaine, if you look at things like purity of cocaine in markets and prices, quite often you're seeing a situation where seizures have occurred near that market or in that market, yet if there was an impact at all or any sort of disruption, it's been temporary and it's been overcome. So that tells us that we're seizing a tiny amount of what is an unknown large volume of cocaine moving through these networks. And so seizures make a good headline for sure. And yes, those illicit drugs never made it to the organized criminals who make such huge profits from their sale. But they are a snapshot in time. And when you think that 750 million containers are shipped every year, of those it's estimated that the number of those actually inspected is as low as 2%. Law enforcement does incredibly well to capture what they do, but the problem can seem insurmountable at times. So what is the way forward? Well, I think that's a really good question. And it's something that law enforcement and governments have been struggling with, in particular over recent years. There are questions around drug policy and whether or not the drug policies that are in place in many countries are the right policies. Because for decades, We've been pursuing a policy of criminalization of possession and use and prohibition of a variety of, of substances. And yet in that time, the amount of substances available in drug markets around the world has increased. Production of cocaine has increased significantly. And the volume and diversity of substances in markets around the world has increased. Despite the fact that we've arrested hundreds of thousands of people and many governments around the world imprison people who are involved in drugs, either through use, possession or trafficking, for extremely long periods of time, some even imposing the death penalty. And yet none of this has arrested the expansion of drug flows or drug markets around the world. So I think when we look at this, we have to ask, what can we do different that might have a more amenable result for the communities involved. And I think that involves re-examining the way that we use law enforcement in respect to addressing drugs and drug markets, looking at the role of public health institutions and increasing their involvement in the entire situation, re-examining the national strategies that we develop that are often based on a militarized response to drugs and maybe reorganizing it around a human rights, public health, humanity-oriented strategy when it comes to drugs. I think where we are today is in a position that we recognize what's been occurring over the last 20 to 30 years hasn't been working. So we need to find another way. That's it for this episode of Deep Dive Monitoring. Thank you to Jason Eli for speaking to us. For more information on international drug markets, flows, and those behind them, head over to our website, globalinitiative.net. This has been Deep Dive from the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organized Crime. I'm Jack Megan Vickers. Thanks for listening. <laughs>